Well, welcome to today's Real People OC. Chef Shirley Chung of the new 28 OC restaurant in Irvine here will be my guest today. And I love her story. Her trajectory as one of America's top chefs, both on TV and in the kitchen, will be a great story for sure. Now, being a chef for Shirley is her second career, and she has been a chef in some of the most highly acclaimed restaurants and worked with some of the world's most famous chefs. Well, she finally settled, folks. She's here in Irvine, and she's chosen this place as her home and where she's going to make her mark in her very own restaurant, and I can't wait for you to hear her story. And she's also going to tell us how we can get involved if we're foodies and we want to play a part in this vast landscape of, well, recognition of chefs, kind of like their Academy Awards. We're going to learn a little bit about the James Beard Foundation and how if you wanted to vote for one of your favorite restaurants, either here in Orange County or anywhere nationally, uh, you can vote. And so we'll learn a little bit about that, but we can also say, hey, let's put some of our restaurants on the map. We have some fabulous dining experiences here in Orange County. And Shirley has certainly reflected that in this interview. And she's certainly excited to share with us all the possibilities food-wise that can be had here in Orange County and why our dining experiences has really, really increased in just phenomenal food experiences. So welcome, Chef Shirley Chung of 28OC. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, th- hey, thank you for popping over. I hear you're, you've got a busy night tonight. Uh, yes, we do. <laughs> it's probably a typical night for you, right? You're, yes, how many people are you making dinner for? It's a very typical night for a Wednesday night um, for 28. Um, we have an event of 150 people tonight. Oh, at the restaurant then? Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> it must be nice to have landed here. Uh, you have such a great story, and I cannot wait for you to share it with our listeners. And then you also have a really interesting goal you want to share with Orange County, too. So let's get right into it. Let's take us back a little bit uh, of the young chef, Shirley, and show me, tell me where you've been and what, what that was like for you. Uh, as a chef career or just as a whole? Well, as, as a whole, I think it's really tied in, you know, especially for you. You, you grew up in an, another country and you grew up in China. So mm-hmm. tell us tell us how it all started. Um, so I was born and raised in Beijing, China. Um, growing up, I think I've always had an interest in food because I have a great grandmother. She uh, traveled around the world. She was director of Red Cross. Um, so what, every time when she travels and she always liked to bring a piece of that country back to me, um, introduced me to the local culture. Um, but because I was so young at two or three, like baby, so she would always bring food and snacks. So my grandmother would always bring back the snacks, the, the local food, uh, a little bit of everything from the country that she visit. And then she would introduce me to that particular country through food and through people, through her uh, experience. So I think at a very young age, my palate was open to a lot of different things and textures and flavor around the world. And um, as kids growing up in Asia, we don't really get a lot of exposures uh, when it comes to cheeses because it's not really a major part of our diet. Um, but my grandmother used to bring back a lot of really cute cheese. And I still remember to this day, the first time I had any cheese product, it was Laughing Cow. Uh, oh, I love it. Funny. And then but I used to call it Stinky Feet because I didn't know what how what was the name of it. That's so right. my, every time I always bother my, my grandma, did you bring any back of my Stinky Feet? Because I really want to eat those Stinky Feet. So. You like the Stinky Feet. <laughs> well, that, you know, you bring about a really interesting point. What would that have been like to have cheese for the first time? Um, I think I knew I loved it because I always liked the little bit of funky flavor, but then the creaminess and then the savoriness. I, I love cheese. It's 
you must have had a sophisticated palate for a little kid to like a stinky cheese. We're, <laughs> we're very big into stinky cheeses in the house too. It's really very funny. I have a little young budding chef myself, <laughs> but um, but yeah, cheese is a, is an, a sophisticated um, a sophisticated start really <laughs> but i love food I, but i also feel because of everything that i was exposed to when i was young so i really learned the world through the taste um i remember actually not even when i was young until now i still like to put things in my mouth if i see something um on my morning walk morning run and this morning i just found a patch of sour grass in the back of um, my where i live where i run to sour grass yes sorrel. So it's a wild, it's a wild herb that tastes naturally acidic. It's amazing. They only, you can only harvest them in the morning because the moment sun full blast comes out, it would, it would sort of like it close it down. Yeah, so well, well downs, and then the next morning it will reburst it again. Really? Yeah. And so that's probably one of those things we'd find out if we took a native edible hike or something. You know? <laughs> and w- would you f- harvest something like that and then figure out how to use it in the kitchen? Or Yeah, that would be really great with the crudo and would be really good for a lot of like seafood garnishes. So, but then if I wouldn't find out that's exactly Wusoro if I didn't put it in my mouth. I, I think it's sound of it sounds crazy. A lot of times I would literally tell my cooks that, hey, if you see I have some sort of allergic reaction, please call. I know <laughs> exactly and then this is what I ate I will show them a grass or a bark or something and I, was, I just tasted this because I think this is looks like something that I know so like this is me I'm uh. not afraid and I literally sort of explore the world with my palate <laughs> so how old were you when you decided you wanted to cook um 28 well, really? actually, I want to say 26, 27. Uh, cooking is a change of career for me. I always loved food. Um, but growing up in a very extremely academic family, my mom is um, my mom was doctor, pediatrician. My grandfather is pediatrician. My grandmother, director of Red Cross. My my father, he, he was the lead technology uh, officer for Chinese government back in the days when we were in China. So as you can see, um, and also the way Asian culture is, academic is extremely important for us. So my mom was hoping that I will be growing up as a doctor and my dad was hoping that I grew up to be a, I don't know, like a high tech industry sort of business owner or a senior engineer and those kind of things. So, so very typical for Asian. Family. What was the first career then? First career, I used to work in Silicon Valley. So I came to America for uh, college at seven, age 17. Um, and uh, finished my business degree in Bay Area, in the Bay Area, and then started uh, some, my semiconductor career in the Bay Area because that was my dad's business. Oh, very cool. Okay, yeah. all right. So at some point you were still young and you decided to break out. How does one go about starting a passion once you've already had your first career under your belt? Well, first of all, um, I ran into the uh, beginning of two thousand dot com boom busted. So uh, that time that. I went through a series of startups company because that's what we do, dot commerce. And um, I was jumping from job to job. And at a young age, just graduated from college, I made a lot of money. But at the same time, because a lot of money and doing something that not exactly what I wanted to do is more like my parents' dream, wasn't really fulfilling as a career. Um, so I party a lot and I spent a lot of money, bought a lot of shoes and changed new cars. But I still never feel f- fulfilled when it comes to my life, in, in a sense. And then I met my husband. Um, he's the same nerdy tech, techie guy. Uh, he has his own vision. And uh, 
And then um, I knew that by then my startup company is going down. We couldn't get our third round of funding to become IPO. Um, the company's going down. I was at a high position and my husband started his own business by then and he was doing really well. We were still dating, boyfriend, girlfriend, but he's the ones um, sort of pushed me to ask myself exactly what, what I love to do for my life. How, how nice of him and how insightful for a young <laughs> couple to take the time to do that. Huh? Yeah. But I think it's also because I always love cooking. So um, growing up as a young kid, um, I ate a lot. Uh, and then so I have a really picky palate because of it. My parents are really busy. So is my grandma. And so I was brought up by multiple nannies. And all my nannies, they're young. They didn't know really know um, how to cook like how I wanted to eat. Um, so started second grade. I start making my own lunch when I get home. So my first thing was fried rice and also soup noodles. Hmm. Um, and then by then in the, I think the beginning of 80s, um, ramen, the bag, instant noodle just started in China. Mm-hmm. So that was really big. And then I remember I used to make a lot of very fancy instant noodles with poached egg and vegetables and all those sort of things at a young kid, just feed myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I started to get all my little kid friends and coming to my house after school I will make a giant pot of noodle for everybody because that's really what I love and then I, I realized food make everybody happy at a young age so I love to cook and then I really started really really young I, and I also love fire so <laughs> I will build fires in my <laughs> there's a little bit of a pyromaniac in yeah every I will build right? fire in my garden <coughs> And then, uh, and then I would take a giant wok ladle and put sugar in them. I learned how to make caramel and then play with sugar at like seven or eight. Oh my gosh! I was Those never were some afraid. irresponsible nannies. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was a brat. I'm teasing. Oh, you were a naughty yes. I was girl. really like I was the princess that anything I say they cannot say no. I see. Um, so 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 I get to play with a lot of fire and I wasn't afraid and I used to burn my fingers and I, I didn't think it was a big deal. I was such a I was just really into um, like active little crazy child, lots of energy, always too much energy. I think that's why when it comes to working semiconductor, it was desk jobs and it was uh, too much energy for me to hold back in. So I find it really bored. And with everything Silicon Valley happening, um, my husband, uh, so like, we always like to host house parties, so I, I always cook for my friends, again, older. And then I also like to cook for my parents. My mom is not a best cook because she was a career woman. Mm-hmm. So my dad used to call me when I was away because uh, after I move out from home, my dad would go. Normally, they were like, hey, your, mo- your mom, normal family would go, your mom cooked, come back to drink soup. But for me, is my dad said, I don't want to eat your mom cooking anymore. <laughs> Why are you coming home? I want to eat some real <laughs> real meat. I don't want to eat ramen noodle every day. So that was, you know, our family is very cool like that. Um, oh that's my why my, my, my husband knew face. that he knew cooking is my passion before I knew. Okay, but so here you are really living a rather sophisticated life, even though you had some of the trials of the dot-com, you know, issues, but you were living the high life. So you had to, you had to like take some steps way down to be a chef. And I'm fascinated by that transition. You are so spunky. What was that like for you? Um, It was... From princess to to really the potato peeler. (laughs) Well, it was eye-opening, but at the same time that I think... 
the passion for food for me is more than anything else. Like culinary school itself, it was just such an amazing experience. I remember all my chef instructor was surprised that I never had any restaurant、uh, experience before and never stepped into a professional kitchen ever before. My one and only kind of restaurant related job, I was a hostess in this really fine dining Chinese restaurant, very briefly for a few months, <laughs> and that was it.、Um, all my experience, all so-called experiences, always is really watching food. TV, watching Chef Emeril, and also、um, just cooking at home and for my friends and family.、Um, but I genuinely love food. So when you love something, everything you do, you don't feel like a job. Like I love peeling potatoes. I want to make my perfect peel, so it, the potato is still round, even though it, a lot of times it doesn't matter. You're gonna cut it up. And I also always compete with myself. I remember when I started in culinary school. Not only I want to be better than other people, but I always want to be better than myself. Okay, so you enrolled in culinary school. Just where did you do that? You just right up there in the Bay Area, or、yeah. what did you do? I went to CCA.、Uh, well, my the- uh, culinary uh, California Culinary Academy. Okay.、Uh, later on, was bought by La Cordon Bleu. Okay.、Uh, and but my husband. You know, because they have that those silly infomercial or commercial right, on TV. Right, right. Oh, come f- find a second career, blah blah blah. And then we saw that. So my husband just suggests, go, hey, do you want to just like check it out? At least you know what's like profession, what's options. I was like, okay. So I went to check it out. The school did a tour. Thirty minutes later, I signed up for my school. I'll be darned.、Uh-huh. <laughs> and I came back. I was like, "Well, guess what, babe? Since I'm not working right now, I'm going to use the severance package I got from my last position for my tuition. school tuition. And、um, was it enough? Tuition is really expensive, right? So,、um, but he's been very supportive. He was a little shocked because、um, you know, like he just kind of was worried about me that、um, I just lost my job. You know,、um, and then、um, so he he didn't really he pushed me to check out culinary school, but he was surprised I signed up so fast. But he's extremely so.、Supportive. How old were you when you did that? I was twenty six, the end of twenty six, and going to be twenty seven soon. Okay, all right. So your trajectory is pretty quick because you're still a very young gal.、Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So what happened after that?、Um, after、uh, culinary school, knowing that. Um, I need to, you know, I work in a corporate world before, so we I know it's all about your resume building when you start a career. So you have to pick the best of the best.、Um, I was a regular stage in Gary Danko in San Francisco, but I also knew that my dream by then is French Laundry is the best. It really is, isn't it? So I knew、Who、that. Who started the French Laundry? Who's who's the creator of it originally? I know Thomas Keller. Is he the creator of it originally? Because I went to it years and years ago, and I didn't know who 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 it was at the time. So I thought maybe he bought it from somebody. No,、He's、it's always Thomas Keller. Always Thomas Keller.、Yeah. Well, I've been lucky enough to sit in his dining room then, <laughs> and then later his brother in Las Vegas, out at Lake Las Vegas, they had a couple restaurants together too. Joseph Keller, no, is it was never part of Thomas Keller Group.、Um, mm. Joseph and Thomas always had their separate thing. Yeah. So it, yeah. So tell me about that experience.、Um, it was amazing. It was difficult to get in,、uh, but I was persistent.、Um, I met my first chef, Mark Hopper.、Uh, to this day, I still call him my mentor, and we're still in really great relationship.、Uh, he was AM sous chef of、uh, French Laundry then. I was extern, and then、uh, um, and then later on, I got hired on as a paid employee. But because that time French Laundry didn't have any、uh, openings, so I ended up、um, uh, starting my 
paid position in uh, Bouchang Yangbel in Napa Valley. Oh, I um, love that restaurant. I've been there as well. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the cool part is now the chef de cuisine of Bouchang. He was my like baby oyster boy that we opened Las Vegas Bouchon together. But anyway, so so it's <laughs> I've been to that oyster bar too. That's fabulous. <laughs> so it's been you know so that's my beginning of my career. I started. So really you just high. walked in and said I want to work here, and eventually they broke and said yes. Or how that happen? Many times. Um, um, by then my school had a little reputation of um, being kind of young, irresponsible res- party sort of school, culinary school. So French Laundry and Bouchon Corporation by then as a whole, they already decided that they don't want to uh, accept any externship uh, from the school. Not officially, they didn't announce it, but then that's what I heard. So it was really difficult for me. Uh, I sent in my resume, I sent in letters, I sent in a lot of recommendation letter. I was number one in multiple classes. I mean, like just, you know, my year um and but no but i didn't hear from anything and um my my instructor wrote a lot of recommendation for me as well it never worked so i decided to drive to french laundry every day <laughs> for a couple of weeks after school and then just want to see if anybody would talk to me and um, finally mark hopper talked to me i'll be darned wow <laughs> what is the significance behind the name french laundry um french laundry it used to be a french laundry it used to be a laundromat Opened oh, by this old two old French couple in Yangbel, and then uh, so it's like um, it's a you know like a old laundromat looking small building, right? And then, right. So that was building. So the restaurant is building based on that building. That's why it's named after. Oh, so he kept French true laundry. to true to the origin mm-hmm. of the establishment. Yeah. Very so cool. even see the French laundry logo, you will see the clothing. You know the the clip, yep, the wooden the, clip, the clothespin. Yes. Yeah. Oh, very cool. All right. So how long did you work there? Um, I was with uh, Bouchon Group for three, almost three years or so. So was the um, after a few months of uh, spending uh, working in Bouchon Young Bell, um, the company announced that we're going to open Bouchon Las Vegas, and um, and then my chef invited me, asked me if I would be part of opening team, and uh, I'll be in charge of Oyster Bar. Wow! And so. Yeah, of course, and I just literally start cooking for a few months, and that's a tremendous opportunity. Like I understand, opening of anything is amazing experience to have, so I didn't hesitate and like agree to move to Las Vegas um, by myself. And that's actually the first time that I move out of state, um, far away from my family and then far away from my boyfriend. Then now my husband, so I I moved to Vegas by myself, and at the very very low salary. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't care. I know. Sometimes those things just don't matter anymore. Well, so if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin, and we air each and every Thursdays from 4 to 5, and we're here at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and we're having a really delightful conversation with Chef Shirley Chung of 28 OC, her new restaurant here in Orange County. Fabulous location. I'm so excited to hear more about <laughs> Your beginning, you you really did just walk into the top and and start right there. That's fabulous. I mean, what what kind of advice can we draw from that by listening to your story? And what can students take away from that experience? Is I think the most important thing is I knew what's my goal. So it doesn't matter what I have to do. I will get this. I will, I will pursue my goal. Nothing can be me down. I I do not take no as answer, and not any challenge. Um, I will conquer it. So that's sort of my attitude. 
Okay, very cool. I love it. I love that you didn't go get an internship somewhere else. You just walked right to the top and mm-hmm. said, this is where I'll be and this is where I'll stay. Because yep. <laughs> I was accepted in everywhere in San Francisco. You can say it. All the top restaurants. Michael Mina, uh, Gary Denko. Uh, well, Michael Mina's Aqua. And then Boulevard. You name it. Um, every single established uh, restaurant all wanted me. But I, I want to go for the top. So you wanted to go for the top. Mm-hmm. So what was that like working alongside Thomas Keller? Um, it's amazing. I remember the first time I met him. Um, I was really short. Well, I'm still really yeah, short I was in the say, kitchen. I'm really he's short. He's pretty tall guy, I'm right? I'm really short in the kitchen. The first time I actually met him was my first day. And there was some Cambro, like a plastic container is on the top shelf. And I had a hard time reaching it. Um, and there's nobody else around. And Thomas walked through the courtyard. And then he saw me trying to jump up and try to move some, like move a brick and then in order to get a Cambro. And then he reached over and then got it for me. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't realize, because he reached from the back. I didn't realize it was him. And I turned around and was like, oh, hi, Chef. Thank you very much, Chef. And then he sort of kind of looked at me and go, are you new? I was like, yes, my name is Shirley Chow. I introduced myself and I was an extern. And then he said, oh, good job. And I think he remembered me ever since because he actually called me by name. And even after years, um, I no longer work for him. And we ran into each other in events. And he still called me the little Shirley because that's, you know, the first time I met him. (laughs) You were Mm -hmm. you were suffering from from your short stature. (laughs) That's hilarious. um, Well, so I was thinking you must have drawn a lot on your entrepreneurial experience, though, to lead you through the restaurant thing, Uh, certainly for starting Bashan in Las Vegas. Which, you know, every chef, they almost greet that with um, pleasure and pain all at the same time because Las Vegas is unwieldy, isn't it? And I mean, if you're a foodie out there, you love the concept of going to Las Vegas and having at your fingertips some of the best restaurants in the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, in a lot of cases, you know, are they viewed as the ugly stepchild of that chef's original creation? Or how is that? How's that all coming about now? What's the feeling of the restaurants that end up in Las Vegas as compared to you know, that special little gem box of a place that was created in, you know, in Neverland, wherever the restaurant's original location was? I really think it depends on what company, uh, which food group you're with and what's their vision. And also it really depends on the local chef that you hire on as your chef de cuisine or executive chef that running particular operation. And what's their attitude? Or do they have the same vision as the mother company? And, um, and, and then if they have the same integrity, same standard and same vision, then yes, this will be a successful restaurant group that's not a stepchild, that's far away from the mother company and then can actually um, has its own identity at the same time that still echoes the original um, the origin of where we come from so it's really up to the chef and really up to the operator how do they want to uh, vision the Las Vegas property as a whole do you have to make some creative adjustments as a chef de cuisine to fit into this almost overwhelming persona that Las Vegas is it just the people that are there and the the speed with which people are operating and the intensity that they come in for those couple days and man they hit it hard what is that like to meet that demand um is for me is very exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you like that pressure I love that pressure I always work better under stress and I enjoy the stress believe it or not. Um, but for, for Vegas, I'm very lucky that every single restaurant group that I work for, or every single uh, chef that um, I, I work for, they all believe that 
it doesn't matter where uh, the restaurant is at, uh, needs to hold the same standard. Um, and then also, um, all our restaurants were indiv indiv individually operate instead of our hotel own. So we definitely have a lot, have a lot more freedom uh, versus a hotel own restaurant. Okay. All right. Very good. So, um, all right. So t you made an interesting transition while you were in Las Vegas. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so after, um, so I became uh, sous chef for Bouchang less than a year after I, we moved to Vegas. Um, it's amazing, tremendous uh, opportunity that um, Chef Kellen, also uh, Chef Mark, Mark um, given to me. And I also learned so much. I think uh, Till this day, I look back, I'm still extremely thankful for my experience because I came here as a clean slate. I didn't know anything about kitchen, but all so I didn't come in with any bad habit at all. So every single thing I learned from the beginning was from the best. And um, that really helped me throughout my career, organize my thought and organize organizations and running a restaurant and everything. It just is, uh, is, uh, is the best thing that happened to me. Starting out with those good habits, mm -hmm. yeah. A another really good thing to stop and reflect about is that you said you had a blank slate. And a lot of people think they can't go start a new career. You know, whether you're listening and you're um, a young person starting out with no experience or somebody making a career change that doesn't have experience in that passion place that you'd like to explore a little bit more. Um, what a great, what a great example of can-do spirit that you can, <laughs> you know, you said... I'm a blank slate. I didn't have to unlearn bad habits. So really, really great point. <laughs> so then what happened? Um, and then, so after um, two and a half years in Bouchang, um, at that point that uh, as a sous chef, and now I want to look at my personal growth in my career. And I respect Mark Harper a lot. So obviously I don't want his job. <laughs> I, I want him to be my boss forever. Aww. So I'm looking for a growing room as well. Um, and then by then, Guy Savoie came to... Um, Las Vegas um, and after I heard about that I decided that I will I think I want I found my next step um, tell our listeners who he is and uh, why he's so important in the chef world okay so Chef Guy Savoy uh, or Mr. Guy Savoy is a legendary French chef and he actually um, uh, has the Emperor Award the, the Royal Award of French culinary um, from from France royalty so um, is legendary chef but not only that, the reason that I take like I look at this opportunity so 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 seriously is also because for every single French laundry sous chef, when they get promoted to be chef de cuisine or exactly sous chef, the next level, Thomas always send them um, to France and sort of study under a French French. Study under a French chef for a, a like a period of time, and Guy Savoy is one restaurant that. Um, um, TK always send chefs to to learn. So when I found out that Gisela was coming to Vegas, and then I thought that was the perfect opportunity to home in my classical French cookery, and then I immediately decided that I want to be and again. I want to be part of opening team for Gisela. Oh my goodness! Okay. So I went. So I went on as. Um, so I took a uh, step down uh, on position at Bouchon. From yes, I left Bouchon uh, as a sous chef, and I joined Gisela as a lead line cook. A lead line cook. Okay, so draw a picture for us. Here you are, you know, high, really, like you stepped in at the top, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and you're working your way down now in the chef business. What, what was that like for you at the time? You're so spunky and brave, it probably just didn't even matter, did it? It doesn't really matter because for me, cooking uh, is a lifestyle. Uh, at that point, at my young career, I realized, I, oh, actually, in a sense, that I almost felt 
I was promoted to sous position a little bit too fast because I kind of wanted to do more of like line cook and cooking and doing all those sort of things. But fortunately, Bushang, even as a sous chef, we still have a lot of like, we, we have to cook on the station too, so which is great. But at the same time, Mark Hopper gave me a lot of guidance on creating and then all those little details. He gave me a lot of freedom. So it was such an amazing experience. Um, but at the same time that I realized title doesn't mean anything. Oh. Uh, it's really craft. For me, realize in order to create at next level, I really have to understand food more. I have to touch more. I have to cook more. I just have to learn more skills. So going to Guy Savoie, knowing that I'm going to learn a lot more cl- more classical skills, but at the same time that I like to see every, how every single restaurant operate. Um, now I know the Thomas Keller way. So now I would like to know what's the Guy Savoie uh, way. But at the same time, opening another, that's another grand opening that just so much <laughs> for me is an opportunity that I would never pass on. So I went on to open Guy Savoie as um, um, a Lee Line cook on fish station. And did you get to work with him very much? Or what was that like? Um, well, actually, um, we, we, he, uh, Chef Guy Savoie visits quarterly. And um, um, that was uh, Caesar's Palace sort of baby. So he doesn't really, because he doesn't really cook anymore. Mm-hmm. We know that. Like, he doesn't really cook. But then his son was our GM. And then um. the executive chef sent from France, been working for him for many years. Um, nice. It was um interesting kitchen. But I did learn a lot of cookery and skill. But at the same time, that that's a kitchen that is all about classic. Um, so we will not be a lot cop- of deviations then from no creativity. Exactly. That, okay. Um, so we will cook <coughs> recipes or dishes from 1953 when Chef Guy first created a dish. Give me an example of uh, one. So crispy skin striped bass mm-hmm. with um, braised with char um, and then a fume, a fish fume with a little bit licorice root foam and with um, uh, a chip of um, the Swiss char leaves. That's like slow oven dry, brush it with delicious oil. And then it's always, we always have to dust with, because Gisa was simple is three stripes, like okay. one, two, three blocks. So we will have a stencil next to the plate and then sort of stencil in this uh, fish, almost like a five spice because it's licorice, like mm-hmm. that anise driven um, uh, powder. So that's like the plating. And then if you look into Gisa Wa cookbook, 1953, it's, it's right exactly there. the same. I'll be darned. <laughs> and then, but, so, but then we, I, we did, I did get to see a lot of really cool stuff. So we used to roast uh, guinea hen inside a pig bladder. Oh, and then like so, you create a steam um, reaction, and we will send it to dining rooms. So, and I, you see white glove service because Gisawa is three Michelin star um, in Paris and two Michelin star in Las Vegas. So it's very formal, very fine dining. And for me, from that experience, made me realize this uber fine dining. So ultimately, is what French Laundry does, and also. Um, uh, does is not really exactly what I want to do. Ah. Um, I think it's a little bit too much like little soldiers, and I'm a little bit more wild than that. So a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized this prefix of predetermined. Exactly, like it's not really what I like to do. So you probably like to go shopping, see what's fresh, grab some of this, some of that, and then go whip something up when you're at home. Yep, exactly. That's uh, exactly. I always go with my feeling. I always create in the minute. And then uh, I see an inspiration at that moment, something will pop in my head. So tell me to follow 
I, it's great. I, I love follow recipe. I love cookbooks. I can do a lot of different things. But if you tell me to do everything exactly the same every day, that's not something that I would like to do. Right, right. <laughs> it's funny you say that. You know, I taught my son how to cook through the cooking shows. And, and he has his own cooking show right now. It's um, called Man vs. Child. It's on the FYI network. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the kid chefs. They compete with executive chefs. And what's so funny to me is this whole generation of kids have all learned through food television, all the stuff that you guys have been doing, you know, your Top Chef experience and all the cooking shows. Like you said, you learned from Emerald. Fascinating to me because that has opened up a world to so many more people than would have never learned all these (laughs) techniques. But he asked me yesterday, he says, Mom, do you think I would be a better baker or a better chef? And I said, well, absolutely a chef. And he goes, why? I said, well, you're kind of an in-the-moment guy. You know, you want to see what's here and create. And when he was four or five years old, we would come down to the breakfast table thinking we were going to cook our son breakfast, and it was already made. Mm -hmm. And we're like, what's, you know, what's in those eggs? And he goes, oh, I zested some grapefruit in them, you know, (laughs) like not a traditional combination. But he was, you know, four Mm -hmm. and five years old, and he's sitting there practicing, you know, what he saw in Giada the night before. Mm -hmm. And um, it was what was in the kitchen. And I love that style of cooking. I like that kind of it's a little bit rebellious, but it's also, you know, just ripe with confidence and <laughs> um, and just chutzpah, you know, just a lot of, hey, I'm just going to go make something You're like what? How hard could this be? Right. Mm-hmm. But um, so I love that you learned the classics and that you didn't want to skip a step. You know, that's actually the mark of somebody that is, you know, wants to be a very skilled, you know, professional and mm-hmm. highly trained. Um, then did you start to feel like uh, a little stifled when you were there? or How long did that last? Um, so I was in Gisevoir for one year. I have this rule that uh, if I'm with, if I commit to any restaurant, I, I'm going to put in minimal a year. Um, after that year up, um, I was getting ready to move back to California um, because um, originally I was only going to go to Vegas for one year to open Bouchon and then come right back to California, Bouchon. The boyfriend's still waiting in California? Uh, um, <laughs> by now, he actually moved to Vegas because okay. one year later, or actually, you know, within a year, I was promoted in Bouchon. So right. knowing that, I cannot just leave a job. Sure. I just got promoted. So which right. means I'm not going to move back for We're a year. Staying. I'm staying. So um, boyfriend then, our fiance already moved to uh, Vegas uh, with me. And um, so we started a new life in Vegas, but then um, I'm a California girl. I I miss my ocean, the great weathers, especially the moisture in the air. Yeah, and uh, every time my mom come visit me, she will always give me masks because she's like this desert thing is making your skin really dry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> facial masks, right? Okay. So um, not breathing masks. No. Yeah. So 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 with everything, I I I left Gisawa thinking that we're getting ready to move back to California. Without knowing that my friend from Gisawa, she was a pastry sous chef. And then she found out that Mara Butali is coming to Vegas, opening multiple restaurants. So she wants to apply for a pastry chef position with Mara Butali because that's her hero. And, and then she submitted my resume. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know. And um, so after I left Gisawa, all of a sudden I have this phone call coming from Mara Butali group calling me for an interview. But I already have traveling plan and everything already scheduled. So I was like, oh, that's weird. So I went in without even knowing what position I'm going for. Wow. I was like, Italian food. I love Marta Batali. I watch him on TV too. But I'm such a French California girl that, you know, like that's my first 
first your first love is California exactly. cuisine Novel cuisine exactly and, mm-hmm. so so I was like oh okay you call for my interview well, sure let's go for an interview I interviewed with the um, culinary director of uh, Vegas for Botolico his name was um, Zach, his name is Zach Allen um, he was really shy really quiet and we had a really great interview because the moment I start talking about food we're, then he's not shy anymore mm-hmm. and at the end of the sh- uh, interview it was one and a half hours and at the end of the interview he said okay so I'm going to offer you the position and I was oh like what goodness. position I was like I will and then I was like well I was like if you're picking station right now because I was under the impression I'm going for a line cook position oh, I never cook Italian my gosh. I was like if you're picking line cook right now the station I really want to work is pasta station <laughs> Because that's something that I never touched before. I would love to learn how to make fresh pasta and cook and all those sort of things. He just kind of looked at me and go, what are you interviewing for? I was like, I don't know. You call me. You let me know. He's like, you sending your resume for Susha position. I was like, I did not send out my resume. I was like, my best friend did. Oh so I had no gosh. clue what position I was interviewed for. And he's like, I would like to offer you the Susha position. Oh, my god! And I told him, no. Why? Because oh, I'm not ready. You're so surprising. No, Even in this interview, you're surprising me. Because I never <laughs> cook Italian before. And you said no. Of course. Oh, my gosh. Where so I told him that, okay, I was like, I would love to work pasta station. I was like, can I be a pasta line cook first? And then if you still think I'm the right person, I want to learn first. And I need to know more Italian cuisine before I can be a sous chef to lead people. Right now, I'm like I don't know anything about Italian. I love to eat Italian food, but that's about it. He must have thought you were crazy. Mm, I well, told him I'm crazy off the bat, but then he's the same way because he interviewed me. Like we kind of have we're we're the same age. We have similar thinking. It's so funny because I told him that hey, I just want to warn you that I'm crazy, a little crazy. He's oh perfect. He said me too because I believe that to be a chef you have to be yeah. a little crazy. Well, yeah. Otherwise, where does the creativity come yep. from? Not to say all creative people are crazy, but it, there is a little bit of. Um, you have to you have, have to have a little the bit of focus, yeah. the crazy passion in order Absolutely. to work long hours like this. We work a little madness, you know, exactly. the madness of creativity. 15, 16 hour day is very normal for us. And uh, we have to be crazy in order to do right. that in a daily basis and not to want to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> so I turned off my offer and then I started working for um for him and then that was like literally beginning of still construction zone and then we have to organize the kitchen receiving everything um even though it is i think it's my nature just to take charge so even though i'm not a sous chef uh, i wasn't a sous chef but i was like like it's normal for me i want to organize the kitchen to make everything work and so i I just sort of start standing out among everybody and um um it was obvious you were meant to be the sous chef, right? <laughs> yeah, but so that's the during preparation of opening. But I also told him that I was like, I'm sorry, on the grand opening day, actually the during the soft opening week and grand opening day, I'm not here. I, I scheduled a trip to China because, <laughs> you know, so that's another reason that I, sh- I turned down you the sous chef position. Sous chef, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to be here for like 15 days. Right, right. And he would just kind of look at me and go, uh, okay. Shirley Chung. And he went for it. And then uh, the day before I leave for China. Well, first of all, and then all the New York chef coming in, Chef Bobo, and everybody tried to persuade me that, tell me that I should move to New York. So you never even met Mario Batali on that opening week probably, right? Um, I <laughs> met him beforehand yeah. already uh, as a line cook. 
And then, uh, and then the day before I left for my trip, uh, Zach pulled me aside. I go, okay, Shirley Chang, are you ready um, to uh, take a big pay cut? Because he offered me the line cook position was twenty percent more of what I'm getting in Union. So as a line cook, I was getting twenty one dollars an hour. <laughs> wow! Uh, so he really wanted me. So he he asked me, are you ready to take a pay cut and working long hours after you come back from trip to China? And so I kind of look at him. I was like, you're offering to me again. He said, yes, I You am. mean the sous chef position? The sous chef position. So sous chef is making less than the line cook? No. Mm. The reason you calculate like that because line cook, when you work eight hours, you have overtime. I see. So imagine I have overtime. That would be like $33 per hour. I see. But as a sous chef, you have a set salary. Yeah. Uh, when you break down, if you only work eight hours a day, yeah, it's a lot of money. But a sous chef will naturally be here, especially for opening like i wouldn't like i think i we all slept there one time during the opening oh my goodness here and there um n- n- it's natural. that's typical that's okay. very typical okay. and then also as a restaurant opening and then also that was two restaurant opening together one is b&b restaurant the other one is auto pizzeria okay um upstairs and downstairs and, and we kind of like have a joint kitchen space so it's ultimately opening two restaurants and as a line cook or as a you know, uh, hourly, uh, Zach already throw recipes at me and go, hey, I have this vision. Can you make a dish for me for Oto? Like, you know, doing recipe. I was part of recipe testing. That's like Now you're chef de, de cuisine there. Right? <laughs> so right. With, with that, I was like, okay. I was I love this opportunity. You want to come back? And then I'll be your sous chef. So that was my beginning of career was Batali Group. And then after I opened BNB and Oto as uh, sous chefs, and uh, they offered less than one year, uh, Carne Vino, which is Batali's first steakhouse by then, um, getting ready to open it. Um, it was to be- the end of 2007, beginning of 2008. And uh, my chef, Chef Zach and Chef Batali offered me the chef, chef de cuisine position wow. for Carne Vino. Wow. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, this is Kimberly Martin, and I'm the host of Real People OC, and we are having a delightful conversation here with Chef Shirley Chung. I don't know why that's so hard, the little the C, the S, uh-huh. the C, um, with 28OC, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. So I'm loving this because you're so spunky and a little bit rebellious to you, um, you have such an interesting, you know, you pop up, you pop, you know, just up and down with this with this <laughs> career of yours. It's fabulous. So what was it like being the chef de cuisine? This was your first time where it was your own restaurant, right? Yes. Okay, what's that like? So it's crazy. My first job of chef de cuisine is running a is running a multi-billion million restaurant in Las Vegas for Marble Tali, and my restaurant's capacity was 565. Wow. It's... That's crazy. The biggest restaurant in Las Vegas, or uh, n- I not mean, quite not yes, counting almost, the cafeterias. <laughs> exactly, it's almost the biggest restaurant in Las Vegas, and that was my first big executive chef, chef de cuisine level position. And you were amazing. up to the task too. Yeah, it was amazing. Like um, we developed every single recipe, and I learned how to because we had our own dry aged beef, aged beef. Uh, program we actually have built a warehouse off the strip so um, on a regular basis we used to carry, carry at least 150,000 of um, whole shell of beef like ribeye like a whole shell of ribeye whole shell of um, porterhouse and then also um, New York so we purchased directly from farm and every Monday we will receive all this 
three containers of、uh, three pallets of meat, and as a chef, I will lead my team to receive and then weigh every single meat individually, and then. Check out the quality and decide how long I want to age this piece of meat for. There's some of the meat that's such a best of the best quality that we used to put it aside and then age, dry age it up to six months. So the dry aging technology, building the warehouse, and all those sort of thing I learned for the first time. It was such an amazing experience. So fascinating. So that was around the time when the steakhouse was the biggest thing in Las Vegas, right? Well, that's actually when the economy just hit down. So the housing market dropped at 2008. So economy went down, and everybody said that、um, opening a steakhouse is the wrong timing because it's so expensive. Nobody's going to come in to eat. But amazingly, so so when we opened Carne Vino, it's the same time as Palazzo、um, opened as、oh、well. So it's a restaurant and hotel opening at the same time.、Um, but fortunately, and also because we have such a like. Great following, and also our cuisine was so strong. Even with economy downturn, the Carnivino was making money off the bat. It was crazy. Okay, so fabulous success story for that. Now, take take us to the next spot in Las Vegas because I want to give just due to your time here in Orange County.、Mm-hmm. So, te-、um, what happened after the after Carnivino? After Carnivino,、um, um, I was there for I was with、um, Mario Batali for almost like almost five years, four and a half years, and.、Um, Cosmopolitan start to break ground in、um, Las Vegas, and then also、uh, Jose Andres of Think Food Group from Washington D.C. He's going. He was going to open two restaurants、um, inside Cosmopolitan Hotel.、Um, I left Carnivino before uh, uh, Cosmopolitan opened, and there were a headhunter, random headhunter, call me. Uh, asked me if be, I'll be interested for a position for Chino Poblano, which is a Chinese Mexican restaurant opened by Jose Andres. Again, it's a different cuisine, and、right. I kind of look at them. Go first of all, who are you? Where did you find my information? Again, How'd you get my number. <laughs> again, I want to move back to California. Right. <laughs> so that's my goal: always try to come back to California. And、um, and then like Chino Poblano is very casual.、Mm-hmm. It's a more fast service, and then、uh, the check average you're looking at forty forty five dollars. To fifty dollars, that's very low check average for Vegas standard. Carnivino was two hundred dollars as check average per person,、hmm. um, so it's a big adjustment. And apparently, it was my fish vendor、uh, suggested that they should reach out to me. They said that I'm perfect, so I kind of.、Um, In, uh, so I went into my interview blank again, without knowing what position they're looking for, and, and then I'm from talking to the director of operation for Think Food Group. Then I told him that I never cook Chinese just because I'm Chinese, but I cook Western food, like the true cooking. Like I cook French, I cook Italian. Like I never learned any Chinese cooking from a real professional chef. I know I see a little bit from my mom's side, grandma. Cook and I cook some Chinese, but it's very homey. I love Mexican food, but I never cooked Mexican food before. I was like, "Why me? This is just weird." But the director of operation had a really great point. He asked me, "Shirley, what's what's your goal? What do you want to do?" And I was like, "Oh, I want to be the corporate chef that fly around the world, opening a lot of restaurants for a large restaurant group. And then later on, when I get older, I want to open my small restaurant." And then he said, "Okay, what's your vision for your own restaurant?" I was like, "Well, probably I want to do a homage to my own 
culture. Like I would like to do something that I will be able to use my own spices. Working for the amazing chef of Thomas Keller, Gisobois, Marble Tolly. One thing is. I have to create based on their vision, even though it's my vision, is my creation, but it's what they want. So it's with their palate, exactly.、Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going Carnivino. We do a lot of、um, northern Cal-、uh, northern Ita- Italian because you know that's where the cattle's at. So and it's a little bit heavier. It match the、uh, steakhouse and B and B Ristorante is very much like,、uh, but you have to be authentic to Italian culture. But、right. for me. I want ultimately my own restaurant. I want to use all the experience I learned, French technique, Italian palate, fresh pasta making, but also mixing with a little bit what I know, what I grew up with.、Um, so he looked at me, go, listen to yourself. Don't you think Chino Poblano is a perfect place for you to gain that experience? You want to open a slightly more casual joint. Your check average, you want to hit about forty、uh, to fifty. This is what Chino Poblano's vision. Yes, it's a lot more casual than what you've been doing. But if this is what you want to open one day, you should at least have experienced it. He talked you into it. <laughs> yeah, he actually talked me into accepting the so position. So, what was the position? Sous chef. Okay. So it was a sous chef position, and back then there's no head chef yet, so there's no executive chef. Ah, be done. And then,、uh, and then, so I got sent to. I was like, okay, that sounds great. And then, so I got sent to Washington D.C. Oyamel Mexican restaurant to learn about Mexican cuisine, and then I fell in love.、Oh. And I realized Mexican cuisine is the hardest cuisine to cook right after Chinese cuisine. Really? Yes, a lot difficult, a lot more difficult than French, because there's a lot of the level of heat. Like the fire, it's got to have that balance. Uh huh.、Yeah. Not only that is a lot of you read the recipe, they will say burn the chili seed. You're like,、mm. what do you mean burn that? How much do you burn to in order to、mm-hmm. bring out the taste without overcooking or charcoal? Without charring. It. It, so、yeah. it's all about watching YouTube video and then learning.、Oh, listen to、uh-huh. you. Learn on a YouTube video. And、That's、then watch watch the true Oaxacan mama make mole. See how do they toast their chili to what stage? Burn their tortillas and how do they toast their sesame seeds and all those sort of things? Because those things you cannot read from a book. You have to see. Right, you have、and、to sense your way through it. Yep, and then learning from the prep cook, learning from every single person in OML, and then I I always love to eat Mexican food, but after watching how to create Mexican food, it made me have a brand new level of respect for the culture and for the cuisine. And I same same time I found a lot of similarities in Chinese cuisine, Mexican cuisine, also Italian cuisine, which I just fresh came off. That made me realize I was I'm, I'm actually quite confident about. Have Chinese、uh, doing this Chinese cuisine and Mexican cuisine, and again something fell on my lap. So during the opening, the original head chef that they they hire、um, didn't really work out. It wasn't a great fitting, so he got transferred into another sister restaurant. So the head chef position become became empty. And、um, right before we soft opening at the end of the year, right before Christmas,、uh, Chef Jose asked me, Shirley. And you do do you it? want it? <laughs> and then I look at him. Do you trust me? And he told me yes. And I asked him, "Do you think I can do it?" And Jose said, "Yes, I do." You knew you could do it, though, didn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I knew because 
because I'm from Vegas. That the head chef that they got, like he wasn't from Vegas. Right, he was and very overwhelmed. Exactly, I'm very yeah. familiar with how to order with hotel and deal with a hotel, like everything. But at the same time, still running an individual. Uh, independent restaurant right so i have the knowledge of how to run in uh, uh, independent restaurant but still working cohesively very friendly with the hotel operation but that was really difficult because again it's a hotel opening cosmopolitan's opening at the same time was restaurant but i just went through that a couple years ago so it was great at the same time that i was so happy to be able to learn true professional chinese cooking from my sous chef right and he was been submerging Chinese cuisine cooking for 17 years. So he taught me how to use a professional wok in my own kitchen. I'll be darn. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, so <coughs> let's <coughs> let's move to the time in your life where you decided to leave Las Vegas and come to Orange County because you landed here in Irvine with 28OC and it's a spectacular restaurant. It's beautiful. You designed it. I want to hear about that transition. Um, everything happened after Top Chef. So after Chino Poblano, again, I'm trying to move back. Again, I'm trying to move back to California. So I left. Uh, I quit Chino Poblano. And um, as getting ready to move and still looking to selling the house or renting the house and all those sort of sort of questions, um, I got a phone call from my friend. They said, hey, Top Chef is looking for me. I was like, okay. I was like, what does that mean? And then uh, two days later, there's another industry friend or a lot of people actually Facebook me telling me that hey Top Chef is looking for you oh like, okay so they look for me was that me like I go look for them without knowing that Top Chef actually had open call in Vegas because I can't care less I don't really watch TV right because you're I was too so busy, busy being a great chef so so and then finally my friend from Chino Poblano call she said that hey so this two casting agent from Top Chef they've been coming to Chino Poblano for two months to eat Every time they always ask for you. But because by then was the PR thing, you know, I love Chino Poblano. They haven't had anybody replace me yet. She's away today. (laughs) uh, I was the face and then I was nominated with Chino Poblano. I was nominated to be the best new restaurant for James Beard Award. So I was the child. I was the baby of Cosmopolitan. So nobody would say that. I love Chino Poblano. Right. So they just gave Top Chef producer this like, run around. So they kept coming back. And then finally, my friend said, hey, so why don't you give me my, your contact information? If Shirley wants to be on Top Chef, then she will contact you. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. Of course you didn't. So I didn't want to be on Top Chef. Rebellious. Well, yeah, because what is that perceived like for a, a, a true chef at, of your stature to be on a television show like that? No, I, I do want to say Top Chef is definitely one show that we all respect a lot. And a lot oh, of my good. friends be on Top Chef. And now we know there is a, is a, sh- is a show that's built after for the real chefs. Right. We all, we all like working as chefs in our life. And beginning of the Top Chef, I think they have more greener, like, you know, let, let people with less experience. But as the show grows, they really um, want to capture the elite of, you know, young chefs. Good. So it's been a great platform for a lot of chefs to go to the next stage but then for me because i know the winner of top chef i know hong i know marcel they're all like my personal friends and um i i i didn't know it's like i didn't want to lose in a way right right like you, i was like i don't you, want to the, be embarrassed like what if i play this after my friends the, com- the competitor in exactly. you came out yeah and then my husband and my friend my husband again just kind of look at me in a way go well he, this time he wasn't very nice 
I think he think that I'm missing a great opportunity. So he's like, hey, you're not even working right now. You have nothing to lose. Why don't you just go play and see what happens? Right. And I was like, you're very right. Okay. And then he's like, you know, you are established in your career. So so what? You come back. You didn't, you know, you didn't win or you, you got, I was like, I just don't want to get kicked off for the first, you know, I don't want to be the first one to get kicked off. He's like, first of all, you're really good. I don't think you ever beat that person. I was like, but I'm not a line cook. I, I really never really cook on the line as much as a lot of people. I'm, my career is very short and now I'm looking at nine years of been cooking and I'm already at executive chef twice and then as executive chef yeah, yes we create but there's no daily cooking anymore so right. I didn't know if I would be able to handle all those cooking on top chef um, but again my my husband literally just said you have nothing to lose so I ended up to be on top chef 11 and did well um, became the finalist very uh, cool and then at the same time that top chef I get to met Uncle Emerald for the first time in oh, person. That somebody was, who inspired you. Yes, that was amazing. And then at the same time that I found my culinary voice because I like to call myself shadow chef before. I work for all these amazing great chefs and amazing restaurateurs. It's always their vision. Okay. So I'm the creator of the dish, but I will always hide behind them because all the credit is belong to that's my chef. That's right. That's right. So I, I have no problem being a shadow chef. But because of that, I have a lot of other chefs' vision in my head. But I wasn't sure exactly what's my culinary vision. What do I cook? Because I cook Italian. I cook Chinese. I cook Mexican. Right. I cook French. I cook Californian. Right. But who but are you exactly. truly? Like, okay. So, But then from uh, being on Top Chef, every single creation, I want to say there's only two times that I, re I did something that I'd done before. I did huh. a tuna tartare that it was, I'd done that, that, that was my dish in Chino Poblano. And I also did this like homie noodle. Those are the only two times that I did a recipe that I'd I done. And then both times that I, I was in the middle, I never, I didn't win. But mm. every time when I just spontaneously create something crazy or just go with my feeling, how I felt that day, I was, I was like literally swiping every single winning and um, winning every single elimination challenge at the end, especially at the end the more I compete the better I became and then the more confidence I have because I always thought I always knew I was I'm a really great businesswoman I'm a mm -hmm. great operator right you know I I can make business happen amazing and my food cost labor costs I have you know like a lot of all those numbers in my hand really great at I felt that's from my college degree and also from my experience that working in Silicon Valley really helped I didn't think I'm as talented as a lot of great chefs in the world when it comes to cooking I always thought my corporate experience was my niche that's why I grew so interesting fast. okay um, in the corporate world but just your pure art form you didn't think was what would elevate you mm -hmm. but until I be on top chef and oh. then eating around and then like you know have meeting all these amazing chefs had similar minds similar like we're all at a similar um, um, experience and uh, my season is the one and only season that literally every single chef is all established we're either restaurant owners or we're executive chefs or we're chef de cuisine there's only two or three sous chef level uh competitors or, or chef contestants and they were they left you know they got kicked off quite early on in the stage so okay. by the time when literally the top 10 every single one of us are restaurant owners or executive chefs. Right. So it was a really tough crowd, but I had such a great time. I met so many great friends, and then we change experience. We exchange our cooking recipes and skills and technique and all those sort of things. It was just such a great 
three months that made my head like bubble like crazy was inspired with all these ideas and then the more I cook the more I compete the better I became I was really in the zone so in a zone that I didn't even want to talk to anybody didn't want to talk to family because I was just focused because every time I talk to my husband I miss him that I'm a little bit off that I feel like I'm not competing at a level that I can so literally the last month that I was in New Orleans because I was on such a high that getting every single winning like winning every single challenge that I, I just stopped calling my mom and my husband <laughs> <laughs> because every time I called that I get emotional that I can't cook the way I focus right right yeah oh how fascinating but it was a great experience so after Top Chef I I came back to Las Vegas. I have a lot of offer, opening restaurants and small on the strip, off the strip. Um, but then I didn't know exactly what I want to do. Again, I, like in my heart, I always knew I don't want to stay in Las Vegas. Like again, I want to move back to California. Parents are getting old. I want to be closer. I miss California. And then and where were they living at the time? Um, my parents they're they're still in the Bay Area, okay. but my my husband's family is in Southern California, is around here. I see. So with everything, um, I just never decided if I want to find a permanent home in Vegas yet. But I'm still looking for the best deal. Vegas is a little bit more cutthroat. It's very business like, which is the nature of Las Vegas. I totally understand. You're facing a lot of big casinos and the offer. They literally tell me that okay, so it's all about how much you make. Just say if your restaurant is a four million dollar restaurant, very successful. But in two years, I can have this person coming. For example, Gordon Ramsay, I can turn this little space into a fourteen million restaurant. That you'll be out. It's very black and white, which is a hundred percent great with me. But we have this kind of I have this kind of conversation with a lot of casino executives. So so I wasn't very sure if I'm ready for Vegas yet. I felt I need to build more of myself, build my sort of my empire somewhere else, and then come back to Vegas to be that successful restaurant.、Um, so I start flying around、uh, for consulting gig. Mm. And then I had a great offering, supposed to do restaurant rollout with couple. I joined force with a couple of my business partner,、uh, business partner that I met in Cosmopolitan. They're all high executives, and then that they're front of the house, and they're at the time that they want to break out to do something new. So we were going to do a rollout in Dallas, in Mexico City. A road out. Rollout means multiple store rollout for this oh, concept. Oh, rollout. Okay.、Um, like it was a global Asian concept. Okay.、Um, so, so I was going to be the corporate chef,、oh. uh, corporate chef partner. So that was a deal that we were going to business with. And then doing all this, I was just doing, like your dream,、mm-hmm. fly all around. Exactly. So I was flying around the world and、um, doing a lot of R and D at the same time, and you know, check out space and doing all those sort of things. And then um, um, my current business partner, Stacy Trans, be cyber stalking me since. One month into my Top Chef,、uh, apparently her sister and niece was my big fan on Top Chef, and Stacey, and you didn't know her before this. No. Oh my god. And Stacy was.、Um, She's just like you. Uh huh. She <laughs> has this vision because、um, she she is a restaurateur sh-、um, of twenty something years. She started in this business at a young age, and she loved hospitality. But she has traditional Chinese restaurant and also event、um, sort of、um, uh, restaurant or space that does. And then his specialty is catering and event. And and then her sister saw me on TV and said, "We we found the perfect executive chef for you." So she's been emailing me, but I told her that I'm not in. 
I don't want to work for anybody anymore. I own my own business now, so I want to be my own boss. So I'm sorry. The only thing maybe I can do for you is I, I will cons- I can consult for you. But even with that, I literally dragged on for four months. I didn't meet with her until the top shows finished airing, and then I was traveling, and then finally came back from Korea, and then decided, oh, I'm actually on the way coming back from Bay Area to Las Vegas. I guess I was swing by OC to oh, meet with you. Oh my goodness. I didn't mm-hmm. because my dog passed away. You missed that opportunity. And then uh, I was really sad. So I, I called the, the meeting and then I went home instead. And then um, 15 days, like a, a few weeks later, I, I called her back again. I was like, hey, if you still want me to meet with you, that I'm available now. And we finally met. I want to say the first time we met each other, we felt a connection. Um, uh, she asked me out for lunch, and I hung with the whole entire family, the niece, the sister, the brother, da-da-da. I felt in, at home. You felt home. And uh, she flew to Vegas right away. With who was pretty much a perfect stranger to you at this time, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, literally, she flew to Vegas the next day or the second day to meet with me again. And uh, uh, when I gave her the consulting contract, it was a lot of money. And uh-huh. she didn't even look at it. She just said, okay, you're the one I want. So please consult for me. And then uh, and then I was like, okay, we build a menu. We build a restaurant for you. And I hire your team for you. I'm, you know, I, I put, put a team. I train them. This is what we're going to do. Where was this restaurant going to be? This is 28. This is 28. Yep. Okay. And this is your first venture together. Yep. So this is... So uh, this everything happened in March, and then by May we already hired on executive chef, and then the menu already finished. I already finished R and D for menu, so everything was all set. And then uh, I decided that we I, I was gonna do a pop up um, at the playground to feature twenty eight dish and all those sort of thing. And then after the pop up, I realized the executive chef didn't really work. It's not going to fit. Didn't really work out with our vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we decided that oh at this point that. Uh, like we have to part ways, even though we just hire you on. But then we really felt that it might not be, a, it's not going to be a good fit. So Stacy's facing that. Originally, we're planning to open 28 in the end of uh, October. No, the end of August. And right now it's June, two months away. Um, we don't have a chef. <laughs> so she freaked out. And I was really worried too, but at the same time that I was traveling around, I have her project, and I also have my own project to ro- to do, you know, the, my rollout. I was getting ready to leave for going to Mexico City and then start start working, wow. like in a few weeks. Um, and then my husband came in again. He's always the hand pushing. Mm. He's like, "Hey, babe, have you think about actually become Stacy's business partner?" And I was like settling down, finding a mate. Yeah, I was like <laughs> your I, husband. I was like, I don't know. I never really talk. I never really think about it because I'm really happy. You know, like I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing right now. And then he's like, Are you? I was like, Why? And he's like, I just feel every time you come back from Orange County or when we, because he always hang out. He will come to hang out with Stacy, the husband. Like four of us, we will hang out. You know, we're, we became friends. And he's like, you know, every time we're, we with Stacy, you're so happy. Every time you come back from, you know, your business partner's meeting and all those sort of things, you're very, like, slightly stuffy. I was like, yeah, of course, I have to because I just come off from business meeting. So I dress in suit and then all those sort of things. And he said, yeah, it's true, but you're slightly not yourself. You put up this very formal front. I was like, okay. He's like. He's so insightful. He's like, do you want to talk to Stacy about it? I was like, okay. And then I think Stacy at the same time that had the same thinking, 
she told me that, hey, I want to come to Vegas because I have this GM candidate for her. I was like, okay. So the next day we met in a coffee shop. And then we talk about exactly chef. And then she, we just kind of look at each other. I was like, well, there's an option. She's like, will you be my partner? And then she said, then you're not working for me. We're business partner. You're your own boss. I was like, uh-huh. She's like, I was like, that's actually what I was going to talk about. I'll be done. And then everything happened. So I have to back up the contract from my other business partner. Oh, my gosh. No more <laughs> flying around the world for you. <laughs> and calling OC home. Calling OC home. And you're here in Irvine. Tell me about 28OC. Um, 28OC is really, I want to say, is myself on the play. Um, is modern American with a Chinese soul. So really the cuisine is from all my, I love to travel, so from all my traveling experiences and also what I cook, what I used to cook, but what I take from all those great experiences for running a restaurant, create a restaurant for all those amazing chefs and take that all in but still respect my own culture and then love the food that I grew up with. So a lot of, you will see a lot of, um, influence in my from my past experience but you will see a lot of very elevated plating and also sophisticated more of French technique than uh, normal Chinese technique but when you taste the flavor and also taste the texture outcome will still reminds you of what Chinese food all about I'll be darned. So the thing that I found so insightful for you is your time on Top Chef. You said you found your culinary voice. Mm -hmm. And so that culinary voice is what you find here at 28OC, that modern American with a Chinese soul. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, did you find yourself gravitating towards what your palate is? And can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Um, Some like spices and just some specifics. Mm, because I grew up in Beijing, um, so I love my big flavors. Everything, like as a geography sort of point of view, um, anything northern compared to southern cuisine is always bigger flavors. We use more robust spices, and we like our sauces, and then we, we eat a lot more red meat mm. than, uh, than southern people. So you definitely see that a lot when it comes to the Chinese soul part okay. of my cuisine. But at the same time, because all my experience is really a lot of California cuisine, it's very seasonal. So util- utilizing local everything, um, and, uh, and then also seasonal, which we blast with amazing California. We have heirloom tomato all the way to December and still really great so it's just is is what come natural to me and then what's around me and this is what's what 28 is all about and tell me about your relationship with your fishmonger i love this part of the story <laughs> so we have um our restaurant is only 15 minutes away from newport pear so um we have this awesome fish um my fisherman his name is scott from westcott fish so like he will save me fish he either deliver every other morning for me live ocean fish to a restaurant, or I actually really enjoy to go to go to go to his uh, go to the uh, Dory Fleet uh, Pair and then to check out what's the catch of the day, all the fishes, and then breathing the morning airs, and then talk to him, and then talk about what's the season of this fish all about. He tell me that this year because the hot weather, so he haven't fish, he haven't be able to catch tuna in the close range of water for over 40 years. Well, not him, but his family, because mm-hmm. he's really young. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll be able to catch um, 
a lot of different species of fish because of weather. So like all this like so inspirational and then make you just appreciate OC this much mm-hmm. because we are blessed with this amazing resources. Like LA doesn't have that. Right. So we have that. And, and we're just a little country town with our own fish pond <laughs> in a way, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you, that you can have that touch point so, so close. It, it's a lot like that, isn't mm-hmm. it? So, like, so that's why a lot of people find it surprising. They're like, why Orange County? I was like, why not Orange County? Have you seen where we at? Have you seen what's get delivery into our restaurant door? Like, it's amazing. So, and then there's like, f- there's like, live chicken and duck that you can purchase from little saigon i mean like th- like th- th- this is like a chef's heaven so why not oc okay all right well that leads us into the next part which i want to touch on is um james beard give us a little quick history of the james beard foundation and why that's so important to chefs to be acknowledged by the james beard foundation i think uh, one easy way to explain James Beard to everybody is like uh, it's so prestige for us chef in America is we look at it as, as our our Academy Award of Culinary World um, very prestige um, um, James Beard houses in New York and um, w- every single young aspire chef or a restaurateur or would like to be nominated to be included in James Beard in any way um, I was blessed that I was nominated to, uh, Chino Poblano was nominated for uh, James Spear as best new restaurant. Um, Under we, your direction, and right? As when I was the head chef, but at the same time that that was uh, Chef Jose Andres Glory. Mm. Um, even though it was our team, right. um, I was part of it. I'm, I'm extremely proud to be able to do that. But at the same time that um, now I'm coming out of shadow, I really would like to Instead of other people's vision, I really would love to have a little bit of recognition on my cuisine. But at the same time, is Orange County. The last time um, James Spear visited Orange County and were nominated is Zolf Cafe, about 20-something oh, years yeah. ago. Zolf Camardian, Zolf's Bistro. Amazing. But it's been so long. Right. Um, o- OC, everybody always look at us as our stepchild. Right. LA gets a lot of glory, San Francisco, like everywhere in California, you see a lot, even in Portland, in Vegas, you know, like everybody. We don't get looked at as like a major city. Exactly. Us, we don't never look like as a culinary city, but at the same time, we're blessed with this amazing resources that nobody has. Like Vegas got trucking everything from California and my fisherman, like he said that LA people beg him to deliver to them and he doesn't. And then, like, so there will be, like, wholesaler coming to collect his fish and sell back to L.A. You know what I mean? So, like, we're blasting with all these amazing resources. Why not OC? What are we waiting for? Right. So what do we have to do to attract the attention of the James Beard Foundation to come and look at our restaurants and and name some of those restaurants that they should be paying attention to? Um, Other than, of course, 28 OC (laughs) here in Irvine. But you look at... I I met amazing female chef Chef Kathy. She's doing her thing in Orange County for a long time already. She owns uh, Cafe Luca, and then she also o- opened Providence, um, really close to me last year as well. And then she was like my um, um, lunch spot when I was building twenty eight twenty eight. So amazing chefs, very seasonal, work with everything. She even have her lettuce gardens in her restaurant. In her restaurant. In her restaurant. That's amazing that. things that local chefs is doing. Right, right. But nobody knows about it other than our little neighborhood. Everybody should know. Everybody should know that now 
Orange County is taking this culinary thing very seriously. We shouldn't be known as the land of chain restaurants. Ah, yes, that's a good point. Because we have so many beautiful individual one-off restaurants ourselves that we've farmed from here, really, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Okay, so on October 15th, anybody can go and nominate at the James Beard Foundation. What does that look like? Have you ever done that, nominated a restaurant, or do you know what that's like? Yeah, so basically you need to go on James Beard's uh, website. jamesbeard.org slash awards. And uh, put in your favorite restaurant. And then putting your favorite restaurant's name, their address, or putting your favorite chef's name and address, just make some noise. Make some noise. <laughs> and you can vote up to ten times <clears throat> a day as a single person. Ten so times you, a day. you 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 potentially voting started from October fifteenth, and the last day of voting to capture for this year is December thirty first. So you have you have a short amount of time to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what what I find interesting is that um, that you can go on there ten times a day. But I think you told me in a pre-interview discussion that it takes at least a hundred thousand hits of or votes really before they even think about looking at you, right? Exactly. You're competing against. There's so many am- amazing new restaurants and all those sort of things. A lot of them gets a lot of media attention. Um, so, so when you're competing against that, and you also we're also competing against different areas. We are the Southwest, so we're competing against Napa Valley, San Francisco, Portland, mm. L.A. Everything is more of food destination cities <coughs> versus Orange County. Right. So we really have to make a lot of noises for everybody to know, notice Orange County. Ah, very interesting. All right. So, you, well, you, of course, plan on voting, right? Uh, of course. <laughs> All right. So when somebody goes to 28OC, give me an idea of what you want them to fill when they're there. Um, 28OC, when me and Stacy design this space, we really sort of want to take a piece of our home into the restaurant. Um, it's very much China? Uh, no, it's very much our style of design and fashion. Uh-huh. So Stacy is actually she has a fashion design background. She came from um, her family also have a fashion business. So designing is her big thing. And for me, she always think I'm crazy. So she said that um, I allowed to pick my favorite colors. Uh, that's it. <laughs> you got the color palette. I got a color palette, but everything else is really like uh, the design. Everything is hers. Uh, when you walk in, it's really comfortable. You will see our bar at first. We have a beautiful bar. We do everything fresh juice program, craft cocktail. We barrel age our own uh, whiskey and rum. Oh, very fun. And uh, also we make our own bitters and quadrilles. So you name it, uh, just like um, to match our food. Everything we always do, for, uh, make from scratch and making house. So our cocktail program is just as great and seasonal like uh, my man- my regular menu. And as you walk into our dining room, we have the be- beautiful atrium area that's sort of have glass ceilings, and we have live olive trees inside our atrium with twinkle candlelight. It's a great lunch spot, and also we always so always book a lot of private events because we sit in sort of a business park area. We're inside the Google campus, so we have a lot of great lunch uh, business and at the same mm-hmm. time we book a lot of uh, corporate events and um, and then you walk into the dining room is really um, it's a large dining room our restaurant is big uh, we can sit up to the biggest event uh, we done was 300 people all sit down in a restaurant um, for charity events so so it's a big restaurant again every time I, I feel like I, I'm never scared to open 
or run a large restaurant. A lot of my chef friends said that I'm crazy. My first ever restaurant sits 250. <laughs> But、um, yes, I'm known for crazy. That's、so、probably nothing for you. Yeah,、right? <laughs> so I love it. This is like so awesome because. Not only I love every day、um, cooking and dining, the dining experience, but at the same time, I love event. We came from Vegas. That's what we do in the casinos. The biggest event I run is twenty two hundred. So you're used to making some a splash、uh-huh. in the in the kitchen and whatnot. Yeah. Well, and so I love I love the idea of of people being able to help make a splash in the James Beard world、um, by letting them know who we love here in Orange County、mm-hmm. and then voting. I mean, that's just a significant. Way to have some fun if you're a foodie and you want to be a part of, you know, making some noise in Orange County. It's a fun way to go. That、mm-hmm. um, email address for that is jamesbeard.org/awards,、um, and then the website for 28OC is spelled out with letters 20 and then 8OC.com. Right. Right. Okay, so you can find out more about the restaurant there. I want to because our listeners are just diehard、uh, KUCI fans. I want to at least touch on the one moment before we go today. Okay.、Um, that you had a little bit of time in the radio world. Can you <laughs> share that with us? Yeah. So、um, obviously,、uh, growing up,、um, I just like to do a lot of different things.、Uh, so when I was in college, she did say she was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was in college, I stumbled around、um, the grand opening of ninety six point one FM. Chinese radio station in San Francisco. It was owned by Qingdao newspaper, Qingdao newspaper,、um, and I thought it was interesting, so I applied. And surprisingly, with zero experience,、um, I got an interview. And then with the interview, they asked me straight out, "Go, hey, we actually have a spot for you.、Um, it's a travel show to China." You will have a co-host, but you'll be perfect. You're from Beijing. You have a really good radio voice, and、um, you know. So, so are you interested? I was like, Yeah. You serious? Like I had no experience. This will be so much fun. And after、uh, I started co-hosting on the travel show, they started to give me a little projects because I love Chinese literature. So they're like, Do you want to write a jingle? Do you want to do? You,、uh, do you mind write a commercial that you, you need to read yourself? So I start doing that. So I start produce. And three months later, there's an opening, a graveyard. Pop culture spot open. We know about those here at KUCI. <laughs> <laughs> so they asked me, "Why be interested to take on this Sunday slot, which is、uh, air from ten a ten、uh, p.m. My show starts from ten until six a.m. Oh my、Graveyard. goodness, that's a long. But、gig. I get to, yeah, it's eight hour of talking and talking and playing music and, and playing music. And then I roll my own show, so we have like ghost story time, and then we have OD time. So, so I produce my own show, and I done that for two and a half years until I graduated from college, and then until my parents said that I should find a real job. You should find a real job. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chef Shirley Chung, we are drawing down on our time here at KUCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine. On our real people OC, and it has just been a delight to hear about <laughs> your story and the trajectory of your、uh, career as a chef. And I'm just so excited that you have landed and decided to stay a while here in Orange County <laughs> and especially in Irvine for at 28 OC. I think it's really exciting.、Uh, and so after hearing this great story, I'm definitely hungry. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Shirley. Thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.